Amen. Please remain standing for prayer this morning. Brother Benson, would you pray for us, please? Thank you. you. may be seen unless you celebrate a birthday or an anniversary. I'd like to recognize you. All right, now we can sing to you. All right, amen. Let's sing happy anniversary to the Kalers. Happy anniversary to you. Several things from the bulletin we need to be mindful of. Today is the Gilson Christmas. If you're entitled or if you're wanting to get to that, today is the last day. You can write a check and make it out to Dan Gilson if you haven't already got your gift card for them. Uh, Christmas patch program is this afternoon. We look forward to hearing from the kids and what they've practiced and what they've learned. Peanut butter Christmas is what it's called. And then be in prayer for the Marinos today. Today is when they're candidating for that church out there in San Marcos, so please be in prayer for them. Uh, Teen Christmas party this Wednesday, December 21st, and then we have Christmas Eve service at 5.30 this coming Saturday. Christmas Day, next Sunday, we'll have one service at 10.30, and then if you'd like to stay for the Christmas lunch, please sign up on the back table. And there's also a sign-up to bring things if you would like to as well. Uh, church cleaning sign-up sheet is also on the back table uh, for 2023. And then we also have the ordination service coming up for Brother Marino on January 6th at 7 p.m. that evening. All right, several in the prayer area that we need to be mindful of as well. Please keep lifting those up before the Lord in prayer. And then we'll continue with our singing this morning. Hymn number 150, My Faith Has Found a Resting Place. We'll sing the first. Sunday school classes. Brother Marcus here. All right. I guess you're in here. We're all in here today. Okay. I have handouts for this class. Um, hopefully I have enough. Maybe take one per family. That would be helpful. Brother Bob, would you help get those, please? It should be on the back table. Raise your hand if you need one. We'll get those passed around.
All right, they've got them now. If you'll raise your hand, get those to you. While you're waiting on that, you can be turning your Bibles to Romans chapter number 8, where we'll find our text for this lesson this morning. Romans chapter number 12. Okay, this lesson is on overcoming evil with good, very similar to our lesson last week, but yet building on it once again. Let's look at our text here as we start off. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18 is where we'll find our place this morning. It says here, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And perhaps as we look at this series of lessons, uh, this may be the most challenging for us in that uh, the Bible is, is commanding us here to overcome evil with good. In some ways, it's similar to the series or the, the lesson that we touched on last week, uh, blessing those who curse you, but it takes it a step further uh, rather than you know, blessing those that only say bad things about you, but also those that would do harm unto you. So we have a tremendous command here from the Word of God that we are to overcome evil with good, and it goes against our natural inclination uh, when someone has wronged us, we want to get even. And you can see this even in children as they are playing together uh, and there's an argument that ensues and we understand as we try to break that down and understand what goes on there, we see the blame shifting and they're casting blame on that it's the other person's fault and it's always someone else is in the wrong. And we have the desire within us to get revenge and seek revenge. But God tells us that our response as a Christian should be the opposite of our natural response. There was a young boy in Korea, and he was a houseboy for some American soldiers, and sometimes they thought it was funny to play harmless jokes on him. They would tease him, tie his shoestrings together, and lock him out of the house. Eventually, they realized that the boy did not find their practical jokes funny, and they apologized. The boy replied, that's okay, I will stop spitting in your soup now as well. So humanly, we think it is impossible to repay evil with good. So we want to understand from the Word of God, how am I supposed to do this? And what is my response to be? So we understand it's true that in our own strength, there is no way that we can do good to those that have done severe wrong to us. But God can give us the strength to obey His command. If God commands it, He will enable it. And God gives us the opportunity to obey His command and gives us the power to do so through the Holy Spirit of God. So as in our last study, we see an example of this obedience in action, again, in the life of David. David was a godly man whom God had chosen to be king of Israel. And as a teenager, he walked with God. The prophet Samuel 
anointed him as king over Israel, but his reign did not start immediately. And we see this in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So as a young man, David served as King Saul's private musician and played uh, the harp to comfort him when Saul was distressed by an evil spirit. And David showed up to the battlefield where the Philistine enemy, Goliath, had mocked God. Indignant that none of God's people took a stand, David stood up and fought against Goliath. God blessed him with a triumphant victory for his righteous valor. And we see this in 1 Samuel 17, verse 32 is where it starts. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight this Philistine. Verse 50 of that same chapter says, So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran up and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. So we often think that we deserve good if we have done good. Yet for all of David's noble deeds, all that he had done in ministering to Saul and playing the harp and comforting him, and then here in slaying their enemy, the Philistine Goliath, it doesn't mean that we deserve good, does it? And that's... Uh, the idea that the people in this society today feel like they're entitled to many things. And they believe that they are entitled to things that are good for them and on their behalf. And for all of David's noble deeds, evil came his way. Saul became jealous when he had heard the people lavish praise on David. And Saul decided to kill David. In 1 Samuel 18, we see this story play out in verse number 6. And it came to pass as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women came out of the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets with joy and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day and forward. So after defeating Goliath, we see this as rise in uh, popularity among the people there in Israel. David continued to play his harp and comfort Saul. And while David was thus serving his king, Saul twice more attempted to kill him by throwing a javelin at him in 1 Samuel 18, 11. And Saul cast a javelin for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. So King Saul here is filled with envy, and he made his life mission that of pursuing and killing David. In 1 Samuel 19, 1, And Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. So as a result of this, David spent years running from Saul, who had made his sole mission to kill David. And although David had sincerely served Saul, Saul sought David's very life. So during this time, David had two different opportunities to kill Saul. In 1 Samuel 24 and 1 Samuel 26, for all the evil that Saul had done to him, we would think that David would take the opportunity to slay him and take care of the issue that was, uh, was encumbering him. But David recognized that it was not his right to vindicate himself. He resisted the impulse to return evil for evil 
and instead waited on God to avenge him, even though that took years. So each time that David had the opportunity to kill Saul, to get back at him, at his enemy, he returned evil with good. So we want to take from this experience that we understand in the life of David and and then apply them to our life and see three ways that we can overcome evil with good. The first area we want to look at is overcoming evil by thinking properly. Overcome evil by thinking properly. And I think we would all admit that we have a battle that goes on within our mind. And we need to first think properly, and as we think properly, then we can act properly. And that's the understanding that we try to give our children as we rear them in our homes. We want them to understand that their idea of thinking, of retaliating against their siblings, is not the right way of thinking. And we as adults often need to reformat our way of thinking to the way God thinks that we might act properly. So what we think will determine what we do. And if our minds are bent on getting even we will naturally repay evil to our enemies. But if we believe the truths from our text this morning that we read, that vengeance belongs to God, and that we are to overcome evil with good, we will refrain from taking justice into our own hands. So, what do we need to think properly about? Well, the first area we must think properly about is about ourself. In both instances, when David had the chance to kill Saul, His response to Saul's persecution reflects his humble view of himself. In 1 Samuel 24, 14, it says, After whom is the king of Israel come out? After whom dost thou pursue? After a dead dog, after a flea. And then again in 1 Samuel 26, 20, Now therefore let not my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord, for the king of Israel is come out to seek a flea, as when one doth hunt a partridge in the mountains." So in his appeal here to King Saul, David compares himself to a dead dog, an animal especially despised by the Jews, vile, useless, and unworthy of the great king of Israel. He even likens himself to a flea, expressing his sense of lowliness. His choice of words communicated that he possessed no threat to King Saul. Our natural response to our enemies is to think that we deserve better than the evil they have rendered us. When we tend to view ourselves more highly than we ought to think. In Romans 12, 3, uh, we are cautioned here and is reminding us, as he's written, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So it's very important as we consider how I'm going to overcome Evil with good, I have to have a right view of myself, and I must humble myself before the Lord. And as I humble myself before the Lord, I'm humbling myself before mankind as well. When asked if he ever encountered situations in which he did not know what to do, the famous inventor Samuel Morse responded, More than once, and whenever I could not see my way clearly, I knelt down and prayed to God for light and understanding. Morse was esteemed for his invention of the telegraph, but felt undeserving. I have made a valuable application of electricity, not because I was superior to other men, but solely because God, who meant it for mankind, must reveal it to someone, and He was pleased to reveal it to me. So we must have a right view of ourselves. 
and that we must have the right humble view of ourselves and correct our thoughts that would lead to returning evil for evil. So we must think properly about ourselves, but we must think properly about others. David chose to view Saul not as an enemy, deserving retribution, but as God's chosen leader of Israel. David knew that Saul was in God's hands, and David trusted God to deal with Saul. In 1 Samuel chapter 26 and verse 10, David said, Furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. But I pray thee, take thou now the spear that is in his bolster, and the curse of water, and let us go. David's view of Saul and his kind treatment toward him caused a change in his persecutor's heart. Overcome by David's tenderness, Saul confessed his folly in pursuing David as an enemy. He acknowledged his wrong in persecuting David and invited him back to the court, vowing not to harm him further. 1 Samuel 26, 21, Then said Saul, I have sinned. Return my son David, for I will no more do thee harm. Because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day. Behold, I have played the fool and have erred exceedingly. Now we know the story that Saul's remorse was short-lived. But it still shows us that David's response of good for evil did touch Saul's heart. And we often fail to see that the people who bring us hurt are also people who are themselves hurt. They have a need for love and relief from their own hurt, just like we do. And we need to view them with compassion, not vindictiveness. Our response ought to be reconciliation, not retaliation. What was Jesus Christ sent here to do? He was sent to this earth to seek and to save that which was lost. A ministry of reconciliation. And that is the ministry that He's given to us, a ministry of reconciliation. And it's a ministry to reach the hearts and lives of individuals to reconcile them to God who wants to be their Heavenly Father, who wants to have a relationship with them. So our ministry is that of reconciliation, not retaliation. The New Testament also tells us to remember that our real battle isn't with people. It's not with people at all, but with the source of evil, Satan himself. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So remember who the battle is with. When we keep this perspective, it helps us to see our real enemy and trust God to deal with people who have hurt us. So we must have proper thinking. Next, we must overcome evil by doing right. So as we think right, it enables us to do right. So overcome evil by doing right. In the two instances when David had the opportunity to exact revenge on Saul, he chose instead to do what he knew what was right, returning good for evil. So we must commit to doing things right. We must commit to doing things God's way, according to the Word of God. So David's first opportunity to slay Saul was when he and his men ambushed Saul as Saul was in a cave. Instead of killing Saul, David cut a fragment off Saul's cloak and left the cave. He committed justice into the hand of God, trusting him for his deliverance against his persecutor. In 1 Samuel 24 and verse 4, And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of the Lord said unto thee, 
Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privately. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. This was his first opportunity. Then he has a second opportunity to kill Saul. And when David and his men found Saul asleep in his camp, with his spear stuck in the ground beside his head. Although his men encouraged David to kill him, David left vengeance to God. He left it in God's hand and spared his persecutor's life. In 1 Samuel 26 and verse 9, And David said to Abishai, Destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? The Lord forbid that I should stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. But I pray thee, take thou now the spear that is in his bolster and the curse of water and let us go. We are not responsible for what others do to us, but we are, however, responsible for the way in which we respond, the way in which we react. And many Christians who return evil for evil blame the other party. Don't blame others. Don't blame your circumstances. Instead, commit to doing right and to honoring God. That should be our commitment. And all that we do, bringing honor and glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and uplifting Him and, and being a part of this ministry of reconciliation, understanding that there's a need that the other party has. When we render evil for evil, we become victims of the wrong done to us. But when we render good for evil, we experience victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we must commit to doing things right, but we also must commit to making things right. Saul had no good reason for his actions against David. Yet it was David who tried to reason with Saul and deal with the heart of the conflict. In 1 Samuel 26 and verse 19. Now therefore I pray thee, let the Lord, the King, hear the words of his servant. If the Lord have stirred thee up against me, let him accept an offering. But if they be the children of men, cursed be they before the Lord. For they have driven me out this day from abiding in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, Go, serve other gods. David was communicating that if he had done something wrong, then he wanted to make it right. Instead of hitting back at Saul, David first considered if he had wronged Saul. He was quick to examine himself before he pointed out the fault of his enemy. And we too should be willing to search our heart and ask the other person involved who had hurt us and seek to resolve the conflict instead of reacting to it. And we have, uh, we have measures in which we are to take given to us by the Word of God. We are to first examine ourselves, then seek to make peace with the offender. In Matthew chapter 5, we see uh, an outline of what we are to do. In verse number 23, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Then in Matthew 18, 15, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. So we must be willing to pursue reconciliation. We cannot be right in our relationship with God until we do so. 
It may be that we, like David, try to pursue reconciliation, but the other party is unwilling. Even so, making the effort helps us to overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 18 says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. So we must seek reconciliation. We must seek to make things right. Then thirdly, we must overcome evil by letting go. When we hold on to bitterness, we load ourselves with unnecessary burdens that weigh us down. Instead of moving forward in God's grace, we get stuck in the past. How many of you know people that are stuck in the past? Maybe you've been there before, where you've allowed these things to encumber your life, and they've weighed you down, and they've caused you to uh, cease in your efforts to serve the Lord as you should. On the other hand, when we let go of our hurt and give it to God, we free ourselves from the bondage and experience peace knowing that God is in control. So how do we let go? First, we must recognize the sovereignty of God. What was it that enabled David to rest his case with God? Completely in his hands. David recognized that God was sovereign. He knew that whatever had happened to him was allowed by God, who has all things under his control. David then did not need to take matters into his own hand by seeking revenge. David recognized that Saul was the Lord's anointed. God was the one who raised Saul up as king, and God was the one who would remove him in his time. David left control of that situation to God. He gave uh, the trial as well as Saul's fate to God, he trusting God to be sovereign over men's affairs. And it would help us in a lot of areas of our life if we would allow God to work and allow Him to do what He knows best. First Samuel 24, verse 6, And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he has anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. In verse 24, verse 10, or chapter 24, verse 10 says, Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how the Lord hath delivered thee today into mine hand in the cave. And some bade me to kill thee, but mine eyes spared thee. And I said, I will not pour forth, put forth mine hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. And then in 1 Samuel 26, 10, David said, Furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle and perish. So despite knowing that he would continue to face the hurt, disappointment, and stress because of Saul's persecution, David was still willing to follow the Lord, to rest the matter in God's hand, and to trust His sovereignty. We like to take advantage and, and take charge of our current affairs. We like to take matters into our own hands. We like to resolve them the way that we think is best. When others do us wrong, we want to give them their just reward. We want to give them what we think they deserve. However, we must remember to let God be God. When we realize that He is sovereign, we can trust Him to vindicate us according to His will in His way, and in His time. So we recognize the sovereignty of God, we must recognize the righteousness of God. Saul had done a lot of wrong to David. But David refused to hold that against Saul. David was willing to give the wrongs to God because he knew that God was a fair judge who would set them aright 
This truth is repeated throughout Scripture, and we see it in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 25. That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Aren't you looking forward to the day that the righteous judge will set things straight upon this earth? He will rule and reign in righteousness as he sets up his millennial kingdom. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. So it was David's conviction that God is righteous and that God would judge Saul. And that allowed David not to take matters into his own hands, but to trust God. 1 Samuel 24, verse 12, The Lord judge between me and thee, and the Lord avenge me of thee, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. As saith the proverb of the ancients, Wickedness proceedeth from the wicked, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. The Lord therefore be judge, and judge between me and thee, and see, and plead my cause, and deliver me out of thine hand. So when we refuse to forgive and hold on to grudges, what we're saying is we doubt God's ability to handle the situation. We're doubting His righteousness. We fall into the trap of believing that God isn't fair and that we need to take matters into our own hands. God will do right. God will always do right. And He will do right on your behalf. We simply must trust Him. He will discipline His children and deal with those who have done wrong. Holding on to bitterness does nothing to hurt the other person, but it does much damage to us. In Hebrews twelve fifteen, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. We must understand God's plan for our life, and His plan is to work through us. To minister to others. And bitter, if we allow bitterness and grudges in our life, then we are not ministering the way God desires. And we're not, we do not have the ability then to reach the hearts and lives of individuals, even our enemies, those that would do evil against us. There's a vine in South America known as the matador. This vine grows at the foot of the tree and winds itself up the trunk, eventually killing it when the vine reaches the top. The word matador in Spanish literally means killer. Bitterness works in a similar way. When we let bitterness grow in us, it will consume us and it will eventually destroy us. So one of the hardest things that we'll face in this life is to overcome evil with good. But God commands it. And we are to do just that. True victors over their enemies are those who return evil with good. When we leave our injustices in God's hands and respond to our enemy with kindness, we are demonstrating God's love to the very person who needs it when he least expects it. In doing so, we will not only diffuse the conflict, but perhaps even gain a brother. Again, a ministry of reconciliation. Most parents who find out that their child is bully react in anger, but not Aubrey Fontenot. 
a dad from Houston, Texas. When he discovered that his eight-year-old son, Jordan, was bullied in school, he decided to demonstrate kindness instead. With permission, he spent the day with the bully, Tamarian, to get to know more about his life and understand his actions. Through his conversation with Tamarian, Aubrey learned that his family was homeless and that he was bullied himself for not having clean clothes. Aubrey took Tamarian to buy new clothes. Later, Aubrey sat down with the two boys and helped them work out their differences. The incident ended on a positive note with Aubrey's post on social media captioned, Problem Solved, showing the two boys playing video games together. Aubrey shared that the bully was willing to open up to him because he could sense Aubrey's genuine care. How many people around us today need to see the love of God? They need a touch of kindness in their life and how it would change the course of that person's life. To know that someone cares for them, to know that God loves them and they see God's love through our actions and through our life. You might remedy situations and conflict in the lives of individuals if we would simply share God's kindness with them. Overcoming evil with good. When we overcome evil with good, we allow God to work in amazing ways and demonstrate His love to those who do not realize they need it. Think about situations in your life and conflicts that have arisen in your life. And when we get in the way and when we retaliate and when we react the way we want to react, we are doing nothing to build God's kingdom. We are doing nothing in the ministry of reconciliation. But when we get out of the way, and when we deny ourselves the pursuit of vengeance and retaliation, the Holy Spirit of God then is allowed to flow through us, showing forth the love of God to the individuals who need it. It may be that God has brought that conflict in your life that you might have the right response to them, that you might be the one to reach them with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you might be the one to share with them the good news, and that their heart would then be right with God the Father that they might be reconciled to Him. Just think about the opportunities that God puts in your way, that He gives you the, the opportunity, and you alone the opportunity to share with someone. You may see it as a trial, or you may see it as something that you don't want to be involved in, but understand that God wants to work it for good, and God has something that He wants to do in your life. So we must be willing to be the conduit of God, to allow His love to flow through us, overcoming evil, with good. A great challenge for every one of us, a great challenge to me. And we have a tremendous opportunity here as we enter the Christmas season, sharing God's goodness and why Jesus Christ came to this earth. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, a ministry of reconciliation. And that should be what we are all about, a life of reconciling others to God, reconciling relationships, reconciling them to the one that they need to know that they might spend an eternity in heaven with God. Heavenly Father, we're thankful today for your word, and though it goes against our human nature, we understand that your way is perfect, and I pray that we would recognize that we must overcome evil with good, and help us to do so, and be willing to do so, and allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in us and through us, that we might have a great effect and a great impact on the individuals you bring our way, and I pray that you give us an opportunity to share the truth of Jesus Christ, even in this season Christmas, Father, we pray that you would allow us to share the good news and allow us to see souls saved 
Father, I pray that you'd give each of us a tremendous ministry of reconciliation, that we would see many souls come to Christ before it's eternally too late. Father, I pray now for the service to follow, that you'd speak against our hearts. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your kind attention. We'll meet right back in here at 1030 for the worship hour.